Oh man, I'm gonna start crying even before I start here. Just wanna thank Bishop Ryan, Lady Carmen. You guys have been a gift to us. Let's just give a round of applause for, for them. All right, okay, I just feel like I'm gonna to start to cry here. <laughs> yes, when we came here, um, we, were, we were low, we were broken. And uh, just being here, with you and this community here was such a blessing, was so healing. And the mission here was restoring broken lives. And we're a testament to how that happened in our life. And, um, and God can use everything. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I just want to say that I'm really honored to be here. I'm excited to be here. And you know, if there's any time to be preaching, this is the best time to be preaching, right? Because it's the most wonderful time of the year, <laughs> right? It's the time of love and joy and goodwill, right? Which is a fantastic safety net when you're up here speaking in front of a group of people, right? <laughs> now, unfortunately, recently I had an experience where there wasn't as much love, joy, and goodwill as are here is here at the church. Um, as some of you may know, I work at a Christian school, Boston Trinity Academy, and while my primary job is to raise money for the school, um, the past couple of years I've also had the responsibility of overseeing a building project. And so uh, our hope is very soon, we're hoping to build a new gym and to completely transform the front entrance of the parking lot. So let me just show you, if you pull up the first slide, this is what um, the school currently looks like. So nothing to write home about, big <laughs> asphalt parking lot, chain link fence, not the best uh, first impression you have of the school when you walk up. So when we are done, the next slide, this is what we're hoping it's gonna look like. So, all new landscaping, green space, we're gonna tear down that chain link fence, we're gonna beautify the school. And our hope is that the beauty on the outside will reflect all the awesome, beautiful things happening on the inside because God is really moving in that church, amen? I mean, that school, <laughs> which is like a church, actually. <laughs> um, and so whenever you do a building project, you have to hold neighborhood meetings as part of the permitting process with the city, right? And so we thought that when we did this project, that the neighborhood loved this project because we were beautifying it, adding so much green space. And so when we had this neighborhood meeting, um, I would say, yes, definitely, the vast majority of the neighborhood loved the project, were so excited, so supportive, but there was definitely a very small group of very, very vocal people, and they were just convinced that we would destroy the neighborhood, that somehow this project would bring in all this traffic, and traffic would be terrible, even though we weren't adding any traffic. In fact, the, the little change that we were making to the traffic pattern would actually bring less traffic to the neighborhood. We had a traffic consultant come in and say there would be no change whatsoever in the traffic. Uh, but despite this, 
these neighbors were so vocal. And what I was just so shocked about was how much when they came in, and they just, it's like they wanted to fight. You know, they had pitchforks and, you know, <laughs> and axes. And, uh, and they were just screaming at us. And with profanity, it was unbelievable. And I just started thinking, uh, I feel like I'm in this episode of Parks and Rec at a town hall meeting. And I don't know, if, how many of you have ever seen Parks and Rec? <laughs> All right, so if you haven't, I've got a very short clip of some excerpts of town hall meetings from that show, and you'll get a sense for what it was like. All right, can you play the clip, please? I hear when I'm being yelled at is people caring loudly at me. There is a disturbing lack of benches in Ramsey Park. I want to sit more. I found a sandwich in one of your parks, and I want to know why it didn't have mayonnaise. <laughs> What's so funny? Oh. What are you, some kind of moron? Why don't you have hand dryers in the park bathrooms? They're so much more sanitary than paper towels. Anyone knows that? Ham and mayonnaise. No. Ham and mayonnaise. No, no, no. Ham and mayonnaise. Government shut down. Who's going to stop Al-Qaeda? But isn't all food bad for you? I've been eating lasagna and muffins every day of my life for 40 years, and I feel terrible. How do you like it? Ah, no. How do you like that? Ah, oh. now imagine this that's happening here is not allowed. So welcome to my world. That was my world for the past, uh, the past several months. And, <laughs> yes, <clears throat> as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, you know, what was it about that whole situation that got these people so riled up? Why were they so filled with anger and fear, right? And as I was thinking about it, I thought, you know, actually, we've all been there, right? So no judgment. We've all been there. We've all been in a place where we just feel like we want to react the exact same way. And as I was thinking, I was thinking, why is that? Well, I think it's because you know, we all want to be in control over our lives, right? Our own well-being. But unfortunately, in our world, there's just so much uncertainty. This is the next slide. Uncertainty, scarcity, injustice, pain, and suffering in the world, right? And when we don't feel like we can protect ourselves from any of these things, that's what gets us so anxious and worried, right? And out of that, anger can even come out when we feel like other people have more control over our lives than we do, right? We've all been there, right? Well, this morning, um, we are in the Christmas season, and historically in the church, the four weeks leading up to Christmas is called Advent. And each of the four Sundays, we get to meditate on a different theme. So traditionally, first Sunday is hope, the second is love, the third is joy, and the fourth is peace. And so since we're in the third Sunday, I'm going to talk about joy this morning. Yes, joy to the world. And we're going to be looking at the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 39. And this passage is traditionally known as the Annunciation, which is really just a fancy way of saying announcement. All right, it's the, it's the announcement by the angel Gabriel to Mary that through the power of the Holy Spirit, she is going to conceive and give birth to God in the flesh, right? The Son of God, Jesus Christ. Amen. So follow along with me, if you will. Luke chapter 1, verses 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, 
Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And this is the word of God. Amen. Amen. So in this story, imagine Mary's doing her thing. Maybe she's cooking a meal, doing chores. Maybe she's working to earn money for her dowry. Remember, she's just about to be wed to Joseph. And all of a sudden, this angel appears and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And she's like, whoa, <laughs> who is this, right? I mean, I don't know about you. I don't usually have any angel visitations in my personal life, right? So I have no experience. I don't know what, how I'd respond if I was in Mary's shoes. Um, but it's interesting what the scripture said. It says, Mary is troubled. That's an interesting response. She's troubled. And so I thought a lot about that. Why is Mary troubled? And I think it's because she's perplexed, right? She's wondering, why, why would God even want to come to me, right? Because if we're honest, Mary really is a no one, right? She's a person of no consequence. She has no money. She has no fame. She comes from a town called Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is nowhere ever mentioned in the Bible except in relation to Jesus. And historians of the day, they name hundreds of cities all over the area. They never name Nazareth. So scholars think, you know, that's probably an indication that Nazareth is like this podunk town that no one even goes to, right? It's so far out of the way, it's a nothing place, right? So she's a no, no one from a no, nowhere, right? So why, why does God want to even go to her? And I think the angel Gabriel understands Mary's reaction, so he says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Amen? Some translations, I love this, say, fear not. Fear not, Mary, you have found favor with God. So I want to talk a little bit about fear, but especially as it relates to joy, because I think most people would define joy as you know, having pleasure or happiness, right? That's a very common definition. Um, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines joy, this is the next slide, as the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. And I think these are all great definitions, right? Because, you know, in our common everyday language, this is how we seem to use joy. But as a person of faith, it just doesn't seem like it quite is the right full definition of joy. Because we know as people of faith, at least in theory, that joy goes beyond our circumstances, right? And so maybe another way of looking at this is asking ourselves, what's the opposite of joy? So if, the, so if joy is having pleasure or happiness, then you would say maybe the opposite of joy is sadness or pain, right? But I want to throw this out for your consideration. What if the opposite of joy is not sadness or pain, but fear and anxiety, right? What if it's fear and anxiety? And so if the opposite of joy is fear and anxiety, then this might be how I might define joy. This is the next slide. 
I would define joy as the emotion that comes from the faith that God is in control and the deep sense of peace that God gives us because of this. Now, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, well, you know, it doesn't seem like faith and peace come at the same time, right? It's not necessarily a package deal. In fact, I was thinking it actually might be more transactional in nature. In other words, we have to give God our faith before he's able to give us his peace. You know what I'm saying? And when he gives us that peace, that peace along with our faith, that's what gives us deep, everlasting joy. You know, of course, it's not always a, a neat formula. I understand this, that sometimes that even in our darkest places when we don't have faith, God can step in and give us that peace, right? But it seems like in general, what, what scripture seems to be saying is that you've got to give God faith before he gives you peace. So for example, in Philippians, next slide, chapter 4, 6 through 7, uh, the Apostle Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, according to this passage, before the peace of God can come to us, this is the next slide, we have to give God our prayers our petitions and our praises, right? We've got to give it to him before he gives us peace, amen? And prayers and petitions and praises are inherently acts of faith, right? And I think that the enemy is constantly trying to rob our joy, rob my joy, rob your joy. He's just bombarding you with fears, worries, anxieties, right? And so we have to decide are we going to hold on to all those fears and worries, or are we going to give them to God as prayers, petitions, and praises, right? Amen? So uh, a little story. So um, many years ago, um, I was finishing up my graduate degree, and uh, I didn't have a job lined up. It was a tough market the year I graduated. Um, my graduate degree was focused on affordable housing and economic development. And the reason that I applied for this program is because um, I had got this deep sense, this calling from God that he wanted me to pursue a life of social justice. Uh, but then the reality of life set in, right? And I had these mounting student loans and I had no job prospects lined up. And so I was beginning to rethink this calling. <laughs> and uh, of course, you know, at these schools, all the recruiters are always coming in, but they're coming in from these big corporations. And I was just thinking, you know, I could just get a job here and I could make a lot of money and I started rationalizing, well, if I can make a lot of money, just pay off my student loans after a couple of years, maybe I'll go back into the nonprofit sector after that. And, uh, but then that was really kind of tearing at me because I felt like God really wanted me to just go right into the nonprofit sector. So I was really struggling with that. And, um, uh, and at that time, there was a conference that was being held of the Christian Community Development Conference, and it was in Pittsburgh. And so a bunch of friends were going. Actually, Jeff Barnison was actually leading the charge and gathering friends to go to this conference. And, uh, and I, I said, wow, this would be great. So I was praying to God. And I felt like God was saying, if you go to this conference, I have something there for you. But you got to go. And so I wrestled that, for that for several more days. 
Um, and I thought, okay, let me take a look at my bank account. And, <laughs> and you know, I'm at the end of my, my, my schooling, right? So the loans I took out were all kind of depleted. Summer savings from working depleted. You know, I'm thinking I have no job lined up. But I felt like I have to take a risk of faith. And so I chose to give God my fears and worries. And I said, okay. And I bought the plane ticket, went to the conference, and I had a fantastic time. And immediately after I made that decision, I knew it was the right decision. And I felt this wave of peace fall over me. Um, and, uh, and I had a great time, loved being with the friends. And I was so inspired by the workshops, the speakers, the people I talked to that it confirmed in my heart that God wanted me to go into a life of social justice and he was gonna provide for me. So guess what happens? So I come back to school, I look in my mailbox, and in my mailbox is a check. I had got a grant from the school, and it covered basically, it wasn't a large grant, but it covered basically the cost of my trip and a little more. <laughs> now, I don't remember applying for this grant. <laughs> I mean, if I did apply for this grant, it was before I even came to the school. You know, you apply for all the financial aid and stuff. So why would they give me a grant? And why would they give me a grant now? You know, you, you don't give a grant to someone right as they're about to graduate, right? <laughs> so I don't, I, it makes no sense whatsoever except it was God, right? Amen? And so at that young age I was at, it was, it was so impressionable, and it really made an impact in my life to say, okay, I want you to go and live a life of social justice, and I'm going to provide for you, you know? And 20 plus years later, he still has. Amen? Amen. <laughs> and so this same experience happened to Mary, right? I mean, she didn't go to the conference in Pittsburgh, but, but the angel <laughs> comes to Mary, and she says, how can this be? The angel answers and says this, in the next slide, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. So, God, uh, so the angel is saying, basically, this is going to be a supernatural thing. It's going to blow your mind. But it's going to happen because no word from God will ever fail. It's basically the angel saying, trust me. <laughs> trust in God. He's in control. Now, imagine the angel comes to you, right, and tells you the exact same thing. Do you believe the angel? Do you think you're hallucinating because you're seeing an angel? <laughs> you know, I have no idea. What would you be thinking? Would you trust the angel? Now, the reason that Mary is so exalted in the church throughout history is because she has total faith, right? Total faith, total trust, total submission to God's will. Mary understands that even as a humble girl from a town that nobody has ever heard of, all the readings of the prophets that she's heard by going to synagogue, that everything that she's heard, everything's coming to fruition right now. Like, this moment in time is happening, and she's at the center of it, right? And she understands in this moment that the Almighty God has chosen to speak to her, not because of what she can do, right, because she really can't do anything, but because of who she is, right? She is a woman who has humility. She is a woman who uh, wants to serve God, and she is a woman who has faith and trust that God is in control. And because of all those things, she has found favor with God. 
She doesn't express doubt in this passage, fear, anxiety. She doesn't even worry about what the consequences might mean, right? I mean, if you think about it, we all know that if she's pregnant before she's married, right, it's going to be scandalous. She's going to be ruined her whole life. If her husband finds out that she's pregnant and it's not his child, I mean, he's going to go ballistic, right? It's really bad. She's not even thinking about what it's like to raise God, right? <laughs> what is it like to raise God? Do you guys know? <laughs> how, do you raise, how do you feed God? <laughs> how do you potty train God, right? <laughs> my, my, in my mind, I was thinking, you know, if I was married, I'd be like, okay, Jesus, you know, you are basically the, like the most powerful being in the universe in this tiny body. So if you don't get this potty training thing done in like two days, I mean, that's it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you're, you're in trouble, right? <laughs> she, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't worry about any of these things, okay? So there were probably so many things that might have been going through her mind, but instead of succumbing to all those fears and worries, she makes the choice to have faith. She takes a step of faith, right? And she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled, right? In other words, here I am, God, you're in control, and I trust you, and I have faith that you're in control of all situations, right? Now, how do we know that after she gave God her faith, that God gave her joy and peace? We know that because the very next story, after Gabriel leaves, she runs to Elizabeth to see her relative, and this is what Elizabeth says. The next slide, Luke uh, 1, verses 42, in a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed, who has had faith, that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. And then Mary said, next slide. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Amen. When we have faith and peace that God is in control, of course our only response is to have joy and to praise God just like Mary. So for us, how should we respond? How is it possible to respond in this, with the same trust and faith that Mary had when we're faced with so many things that are bombarding us, right? Maybe it's our finances. Will we make ends meet? Will we go into debt? Will we go into bankruptcy even? Maybe it's like me, it's a calling over your life. You're wondering, what's God's calling for me? Maybe we're worried about loneliness, right? Maybe you're new to the city and you're wondering, will I ever find friends that are deep friendships, right? Maybe it's whether you'll get married or not. We all fret about that. Am I going to get married? Am I going to be able to have children? Maybe you're worried because of your children, right? <laughs> you know, maybe your children have made some really, some decisions that have really caused you a lot of worry. Or maybe you have an illness or an injury that's really affecting you, right? Affecting your family. There's a lot of real things, real things that are happening to all of us. And so I have some thoughts, three thoughts on how we can embrace living a life of joy. And the first one is this. Give thanks in all circumstances. 
give thanks in all circumstances. So 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, the last time I preached, I uh, talked about gratitude. And one of the most mind-blowing things I learned as I was preparing for that sermon is that scientifically, it's been shown that when we practice a life of gratitude, even for really simple, trivial, mundane things like, thank you, God, for this cup of coffee. You know, thank you, God, that the sun is out today. You know, when we just are in the habit of practicing thanksgiving on a regular basis, that it actually rewires our brain and we actually become happier, right? It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And so it's really like God designed us that when we give praise, we receive joy. You know, God actually hardwired that into our bodies. And the more that we give praise to God, the more of a life of joy that we'll have. So even if we don't feel like we have joy in our life, praise God anyways, you know. Praise him even for the bad situations that you're in because you have the faith that he's in control, right? So in Romans chapter 8, it says this. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose, right? So whatever difficult situation that you're going through, praise him because you might not know why something's happening to you, but you do know that God is in control and he's got a plan for you and he's got a plan for the world. Amen? So by being thankful and praising God for everything, both good and bad, we're actually laying the foundation to have a life of joy, right? It's like what we're doing is we're creating good soil in our hearts so God can plant things in there, right? All right. So number two, bring your concerns to God and be happy for God. Bring your concerns to God and be happy for God. Interesting. So going back to Philippians, it says that if you're feeling anxious about anything, what should you do? You should bring your concerns to God, right? Now, the thing about passages like this and others is that I think we're tempted to believe that these passages say, bring your concerns to God and he'll fix them, right? But this passage doesn't say God's going to fix your problems. What does this passage say? He says, all that he promises is that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus, right? Right? So we have to remember that Paul... The Apostle Paul, who's writing this, remember, where is he writing this? He's writing this from prison. He's in prison because he's about to be executed. <laughs> and uh, spoiler alert, he's executed. <laughs> you know, So circumstances aren't great, right? But just a few verses after, this is what he says. He says there, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Amen? I think what God is ultimately offering us is not necessarily a solution to our problems, but what he's offering us is himself. Right? How many of you guys have ever had that conversation, very stereotypical, like, for example, for Deidre and me, um, you know, something tough has just happened to Deidre. She comes up to me and she's like, ah, you know, I want to tell you what happened. 
And I'm like, oh, well, I can see clearly. Like, if you do X, Y, and Z, you know, you can fix the problem. Oh, yeah. In fact, I'll go and fix it for you. How does that, how does that conversation go? Yeah, yeah. All the men are going, uh-uh, uh-uh. Oh, oh brother. <laughs> oh, brother, we got to talk. <laughs> Come talk to me afterwards, brother. <laughs> no. Because she doesn't want you to fix the problem. Of course she wants the problem fixed, but not right then. What does she want? She wants you to listen to her. Exactly, right? She wants to know that there is someone in her life who knows her, who loves her, who is willing just to be there in her pain and listen to her and comfort her and not just go in and try to fix the problem, right? And we've all been there. You know, it goes both ways. I've been there too when all I want is just for her to commiserate because I want to complain or do something, and I don't want her to fix the problem. I just want her to listen. Right? So we've all been there, men and women, right? So why do we treat God that way, right? Why do we treat God like he's just a fixer? Of course God wants to fix our problems, but maybe the best gift that God is giving us is not that he's going to fix our problem, but that there actually is a God there who's there that when we go to him, he knows us, he loves us, he wants to be with us, and he's going to be there in the midst of our pain and suffering. Amen? So, um, getting so excited here. <laughs> so, number three, make the choice to live by faith and not fear. Make the choice. So, sometimes, despite how we're feeling, we've got to just choose. We've got to choose to believe in God. We've got to choose to live a life of faith and a life of joy, right? And so I had to do that when I made the decision to go to that conference. I just had to make a choice. And so nothing was going to happen until I made that choice. Now, I want to share another story. This is about my friend Anite, who gave me permission to share this story. And Anite comes to our church. He's a brother on the men's ministry team. And he has this amazing story. So in 2017, Anita is working as a security guard. And it's just a job to him. He's not really excited by this job. And he feels like God is saying, you need to leave this job because this job is a dead end. And I've got a higher calling for you. And so he's always wanted to go into technology. And so he says to himself, OK, I'm going to take a risk of faith. I'm going to step out of this job, and I'm going to just go get another job. So it sounds great, except he leaves his job, and he's interviewing. And everyone says, you don't have the right training. You don't have the right certifications. So we can't give this job to you. We've got to give it to someone else. And this happens for months. So month after month, he's just going to these interviews, getting rejected. And so it might sound bad, but some positive things are happening. He, he gets married to his beautiful wife, Ronke. And then they have, uh, uh, she gets pregnant with their first child. So it's awesome. So a lot of positive things are happening. That's great. But all of a sudden, you know, the stakes are now raised, right? <laughs> because he's not just thinking about himself now. He's got to think about his family. He's got to think about his wife and his child. And he said there were days when um, they would have no money. They would wake up in the morning, and there'd be no food in the house. You know, and his wife is pregnant, right? So this is not a good situation. And so um, he was working driving Uber just to try to make ends meet. But they, they talked about it. They prayed. They said, God, should we just give this up and just get a stable job, just bring some income into the family? And they both felt like God was saying, no, stay the course. Stay the course. And so they said, OK, I'm going to 
have to just choose to focus on God as opposed to all the problems and the worries um, that are just bombarding us, right? And he said that God moved in the most amazing ways during that time. And there would be days where they would have a need or they would need money or food. And for example, like a random friend would call them and say, hey, I just felt like God was saying I should call you. And hey, I want to give you some money. And so his needs would be provided for during that time. And I love what he says. He says, he told me, you don't have to go to the store to buy laughter. <laughs> 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 laughter is free. You know? And he says, laughter is free. <laughs> you know? And I love that. And they were so filled with so much joy and laughter. They were constantly laughing, having so much fun together as newlyweds. And I want to show you this picture of them. So there are these pictures that he sent, and this is, this is them and his family. And he was saying that one day a friend saw these pictures and said, I want to be married one day, and I want to have your life. <laughs> and Anite, he didn't know Anite's situation. Anite says, brother, I'm going to pray that you have more than what I have right now. <laughs> and the friend says, no. Look at this picture. You are filled with joy. I want your life. <clears throat> Amen? So, right before the baby's born, he, um, another brother in the men's ministry, connects him with this amazing program. It's a brand new program, and it helps to train, uh, certify, and find a job for people in the tech industry. And he is so excited by this program. He's like, maybe... This is the answer to my prayers. And two weeks before the program starts, his baby is born. Beautiful daughter. He's so excited. Unfortunately, what happens is that there's some complications from the delivery. And Ronke uh, starts developing all these infections. Has to go right back to the hospital. Is there every single day for the next two weeks. He's there, of course, night and day, every hour of the day with his family. The next day, the program's going to start. He says, I'm going to call them. I'm just going to say, I can't. I can't do this program. I've got to pull out. I've got to take care of my family, right? They pray again. They feel like God is saying, no, you have to keep staying the course. So Ronke says, you need to go. I'm going to be okay. Let's trust in God. So Nite goes. He, he hates going. He goes to the first day of training. A couple hours later, gets a phone call. It's Rocky. Answers the phone. I'm okay. The doctor says everything is cleared up. He's discharging me right now. <laughs> Amen. Fast forward. This summer, graduates, certified. He has a job in IT at Deloitte. <laughs> Deloitte's like one of the biggest companies in the world, right? Amazing. His story is so amazing. They, have a, they did a profile on him. I didn't want to show it because it's too long, but it's amazing. It's an amazing story. If you want the link, let me know. Um, but here's the thing. Things worked out for Nite, right? But go back one year. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know he was going to get that program. He didn't know he was going to get that job, right? So things were pretty bleak. 
And in that, those darkest hours, that's when he kept giving up his fears to God. And that's when God gave him, blessed him with joy and peace. Amen? Okay, so this Christmas season, my prayer is that you would also embody the faith and the trust that Mary had, that Anite had, right? That you would receive the peace and the joy of the Lord in return. That you would have the faith that no matter how out of control you feel out of your circumstances, that you would know that God is over it, that you would choose God over fear, that you would have the deep peace in knowing that God is with you no matter what, and that the greatest gift that you'll receive this Christmas is the baby boy born in Bethlehem that came and brought hope, love, joy, and peace to the world. Amen. Amen.